Chapter Four of The Sword of Damocles by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Searchings. Patience and shuffle the cards. Cervantes. If I had expected anything from the presence in the carriage of the woman who had arranged this interview, I was doomed to disappointment. Reticent before, she was absolutely silent now sitting at my side like a grim statue or a frozen image of watchfulness ready to awake and stop me if i offered to open the door or make any other move indicative of a determination to know where i was or in what direction i was going that her young mistress in the momentary conversation they had held before our departure had succeeded in giving her some idea of the shame with which she had felt herself overwhelmed and her present natural desire for secrecy i do not doubt but i think now as i thought then that the unusual precautions taken both at that time and before to keep me in ignorance of the young lady's identity were due to the elderly woman's own consciousness of the peril she had invoked in yielding to the wishes of her young and thoughtless mistress a theory which if true argues more for the mind than the conscience of this mysterious woman however it is with facts we have to deal and you will be more interested in learning what i did than what i thought during that short ride in perfect darkness the mark which i had left on the curbstone behind me sufficiently showed the nature of my resolve and when we made the first turn at the end of the block i leaned back in my seat and laying my finger on my wrist began to count the pulsations of my blood it was the only device that suggested itself by which i might afterward gather some approximate notion of the distance we travelled in a straight course downtown i had just arrived at the number seven hundred and sixty-two and was inwardly congratulating myself upon this new method of reckoning distance when the wheels gave a lurch and we passed over a car track instantly all my fine calculations fell to the ground we were not in madison avenue as i supposed could not be since no track crosses that avenue below fifty-ninth street and we were proceeding on as we could not have done had we gained the terminus of the avenue at twenty-third street could it be that the carriage had not been turned around while i was in the house and that we had come back by way of fifth avenue i could not remember in fact the more i tried to think which way the horses heads were directed when we went into the house the more i was confused but presently i considered that wherever we were we certainly had not passed over the narrow strip of smooth pavement in front of the worth monument and therefore could not have reached twenty-third street by way of fifth avenue we must be uptown and that track we crossed must have been at fifty-ninth street and soon as if to assure me of this we took a turn quickly followed at a block's length by another after which i had no difficulty in recognizing the smooth pavement of the entrance to the park or the roll down fifth avenue afterwards they have thought to confuse me by an extra mile or so of travel thought i with some complacency but the streets of new york are too simply laid out to lend themselves to any such easy mode of mystification 
yet i have thought since then how with a smarter man on the box the affair might have been conducted so as to have baffled the oldest citizen in any attempt at calculation when we stopped in front of the albemarle i quietly thanked the woman who had conducted me and stepped to the ground instantly the door shut behind me the carriage drove off and i was left standing there like a man suddenly awakened from a dream entering my hotel i ordered supper thinking that the very practical occupation of eating would serve to divert my mind into its ordinary channels but the dream if dream it was had made too vivid an impression to be shaken off so easily it followed me to the hall in the evening and mingled with every chord i struck i could scarcely sleep that night for thinking of the sweet child's face that had blossomed into a woman's before my eyes and what a woman with the first hint of daylight i rose and as soon as it was in any degree suitable to be out hired a cab and proceeded to the corner of fifty-ninth street and madison avenue where according to my calculations of the evening before we had crossed the car track which had first interrupted me in that very original method of computing distance of which i have already spoken a method by the way which you must acknowledge is an improvement on the boy's plan of finding his way back from the woods by means of the bread-crumbs he had scattered behind him forgetting that the birds would eat up his crumbs and leave him without a clue bidding the driver proceed at the ordinary jog-trot down the avenue i laid my finger on my wrist and counted each throb of my pulse till i had reached the magical number seven hundred and sixty-two then putting my head out of the window i bade him stop we were in the middle of a block but that did not disconcert me i had not expected to gain more than an approximate idea of the spot where we had first turned into the avenue it being impossible to regulate the horse's pace so as to tally with that taken by the span of the night before even if the pulsations in my wrist were to be absolutely relied upon noting the streets between which we had paused i bade the driver to turn down one and come back by the other occupying myself in the meanwhile in searching the curbstone for the small mark i had left in front of her door the night before but though we drove slowly and i searched carefully not a trace did i perceive of that tell-tale sign and forsaking those two streets i ordered my obedient jehu to try the two outlying ones below and above he did so and i again consulted the curbstone but with no better success no mark or remnants of a mark was to be found anywhere nor though we travelled through three or four other streets in the same way did we come upon any clue liable to assist me in my search clean discouraged and somewhat out of temper with myself for my pusillanimity of the evening before in not having braved the anger of my companion by opening the carriage door at the first corner and leaping out i commanded to be taken back to the hotel where for a whole miserable day i racked my brain with devices for acquiring the knowledge i so much desired the result was futile as you may imagine nor will i stop to recount the various expedients to which i afterwards resorted in my vain attempt to solve the mystery of this young girl's identity
enough that they all failed even the very promising one of searching the various photographic establishments of the city for the valuable clue which her picture would give me and so a week passed it is time this mad infatuation was at an end said i to myself one morning as i sat down to write a letter there is no hope of my ever seeing her again and i am but frittering away the best emotions of my life in thus indulging in a dream that is not the prelude to a reality but in spite of the wise determination thus made i soon found my thoughts recurring to their old channel and seized with sudden impatience at my evident weakness took up the letter i had been writing and was about to read it when to my great amazement i perceived that instead of inditing the usual words of a business communication i had been engaged in scribbling a certain number up and down the page and even across the bottom where my signature should have been am i a fool i exclaimed and was about to tear the sheet in two when glancing again at the number which was a simple thirty-six i asked myself where i had got those especial figures instantly there arose before my mind's eye the vision of a brownstone front with its vestibule and door it was then the number of a house but what house a chateau en espagne or a bona fide new york dwelling which for some reason had unconsciously impressed itself upon my memory i could not answer there on the page was the number thirty-six and equally plain in my mind was the look of the brownstone front to which that number belonged and that was all but it was enough to awaken within me the spirit of inquiry the few houses thus numbered in that quarter of the city where i had lately been were not so hard to find but that a morning given to the business ought to satisfy me whether the vision in my mind had its basis in reality taking a cab i rode up town and into that region of streets i had traversed so carefully a week before for i was assured that if the impression had been made by an actual dwelling it had been done at that time following the same course i then took i consulted the appearance of the various houses to which that number was assigned the first was built of brick that was not it the next one had pillars to the vestibule and that was not it the third to use an irish bull was no house at all but a stable while the fourth was an elegant structure of much more pretension than the plain and simple front i had in my mind or memory i was about to utter a curse upon my folly and go home when i remembered there was yet a street or two taken in my zigzag course of the week before which i had not yet tested might as well be thorough i muttered and bade my driver proceed down blank street what was there in its aspect that dimly excited me at the first glance a dim remembrance a certain ghostly assurance that we had reached the right spot as we neared the number i sought i could not suppress an exclamation of surprise for there before me to its last detail stood the house which involuntarily presented itself to my mind when my eye first fell upon that mysterious number 
scribbled at the foot of the page i was writing it was then no chimera of an overwrought brain this vision of a house-front which had been haunting me but a distinct remembrance of an actual dwelling seen by me in my former journey through this street but why this house-front above all others what was there in it to make such an impression looking at it i could not determine but after we had passed something i cannot tell what brought back another remembrance trivial in itself but yet a link in the chain that was destined sooner or later to lead me out of the maze into which i had stumbled it was merely this that as i rode along the streets on that memorable morning searching for that mark on the curbstone from which i hoped so much i had come upon a spot where the pavement had been freshly washed with that unconscious action of the brain with which we are familiar i looked at the sidewalk a moment running even then with the water that had been cast upon it and then gave a quick glance at the house that glance account for it as you will took in the picture before it as the camera catches the impression of a likeness and though in another instant i had forgotten the whole occurrence it needed but a certain train of thought or perhaps a certain state of emotion to revive it again a noble cause for such an act of unconscious cerebration you will say a freshly washed pavement le jeu ne faut pas la chandelle and so i thought too or would have thought if i had not been so interested in the pursuit in which i was engaged and if the idea had not suggested itself that water and a broom might obliterate chalk marks from curbstones and that the imps that preside over our mental forces would not indulge in such a trick at my expense unless the play was worth the candle at all events from the moment i made this discovery i fixed my faith on that house as the one which held the object of my search and though i contented myself with merely noting the number of the street as we left it i none the less determined to pursue my investigations till i had learned beyond the possibility of a doubt whether my conjectures were not true a perseverance worthy of a better cause you will say but you are no longer twenty-five and under the influence of your first passion i own i was astonished at myself and frequently paused in the pursuit i had undertaken to ask if i were the same person who but a fortnight before laughed at the story of a man who had gone mad over the body of an unknown woman he had saved from a wreck only to find her dead in his arms the first thing i did was to ascertain the name of the gentleman occupying the house i have specified it was that of one of our wealthiest and most respectable bankers a name as well known in the city as your own for instance this was somewhat disconcerting but with a dogged resolution somewhat foreign to my natural disposition i persevered in my investigations and learning in the next breath that the gentleman alluded to was a widower with an only child a young daughter of about sixteen or so recovered my assurance though not my equanimity seeking out my friend farrer 
who, as you know, is a walking gazette of New York society, I broached the subject of Mr. Excuse me if I do not mention his name. Allow me to say Preston's domestic affairs, and learned that Miss Preston, a naive little piece for so great an heiress, I remember Farrah called her, had left town within a day or two for a visit to some friends in Baltimore. I happen to know, said he, with that careless sweep of his hand at which you have so often laughed, because my friend, Miss Forsyth, met her at the depot. She was intending to be gone two weeks, I think she said. Do you know her? That last question sprung upon me unawares, and I am afraid I blushed. No, I returned, I have not that honour, but an acquaintance of mine has, well, has met her, and— I see, I see, broke in Farrah with his most disagreeable smile. Then, with a short laugh, meant to act as a warning, I suppose, added as he walked off, I hope your friend is in fair circumstances and not connected with the fine arts. Music is Mr. Preston's detestation, while Miss Preston, though too young to be much sought after yet, will in two years' time have the pick of the city at her command. So, thought I to myself, my little innocent charmer is an embryo aristocrat, eh? Well then, I was a greater fool than I imagined and I walked out of the hotel where I had met Farrah with the very sensible conclusion to drop a subject that promised nothing but disappointment. But the fates were against me, or the good angels perhaps, and at the next corner I met an old acquaintance, the very opposite of Farrah in character, who with a long love story of his own fired my imagination to such an extent that in spite of myself I turned down blank street and was proceeding to pass her house when suddenly the thought struck me how do i know that this unapproachable daughter of one of our most prominent citizens is one and the same person with my dainty little charmer widowers with young daughters are not so rare in this great city that i need consider the question as decided because by a half superstitious freak of my own I have settled upon this house as the one I was in the other night. My inamorata may be the offspring of a musician for all I know, and inflamed at the thought of this possibility, I remembered the piano, you see, I gave to the winds all my fine resolutions, and only asked how I could determine for once and all whether I had ever crossed the threshold of the house before me. Some men would have run up the stoop, rung the bell, and asked to see Mr. Preston on some pretended business he could easily conjure up to suit the occasion. But my face is too well known for me to risk any such attempt. Besides, I was too anxious to win the confidence of the young girl, to shock her awakened sense of propriety by seeming to seek her where she did not wish to be found. And yet I must enter that house, and see for myself if it was the one that held her on that memorable evening. Pondering the question, I looked back at the door, so obstinately closed against my curiosity, when, to my satisfaction and delight, it suddenly opened, and a man stepped out, 
whom i instantly recognized as a business agent for one of the largest pianoforte manufactories in the city the heavens smile upon my enterprise thought i and waited for the man to come up with me he was not only a friend of mine but largely indebted to me in various ways so that i knew i had only to urge a request for it to be immediately granted and that too without any questions or gossip you will not be interested in anything but the result which was somewhat out of the usual course and may therefore shock you but you must remember that i am telling you of matters which young men usually keep to themselves and that whatever i did was accomplished in a spirit of respect only a shade less constraining in its power than the love that was at once my impelling force and my constant embarrassment to come then to the point a piano was to be set up in that house on that very day mr preston having yielded to the solicitations of his daughter for a new instrument my friend was to be engaged in the transfer and at my solicitation for leave to assist in the operation gave his consent in perfect confidence as to my possessing good and sufficient reasons for such a remarkable request and appointed the hour at which i was to meet him at the ware-rooms behold me then at half-past two that afternoon assisting with my own hands in carrying a piano up the stoop of that house which four hours before i had regarded as unapproachable dressed in a workman's blouse and with my hair well roughened under a rude cap that effectually disguised me i advanced with but little fear of detection and yet no sooner had i entered the house and seen at a glance that the aspect of the hall coincided with my rather vague remembrance of that through which i had been ushered a week before than i was struck by a sudden sense of my situation and experiencing that uncomfortable consciousness of self-betrayal which a blush always gives a man stumbled forward under my heavy burden feeling as if a thousand eyes were fixed upon me and my cherished secret instead of the two sharp but totally unsuspicious orbs of the elderly matron that surveyed us from the top of the banisters be careful there you'll knock a hole through that glass door though a natural cry under the circumstances struck on my ears with the force and mysterious power of a secret warning and when after a moment of blind advance i suddenly lifted my eyes and found myself in the little room which like a silhouette on a white ground stood out in my memory in distinct detail as the spot where i had first heard my own heart beat i own that i felt my hands slipping from my burden and in another moment had disgraced my character of a workman if i had not caught the sudden ring of a well-known voice in the hall as nurse answered from above some question propounded by the elderly lady with the piercing eyes as it was i recovered myself and went through my duties as promptly and deftly as if my heart did not throb with memories that each passing hour and event only served to hallow to my imagination at length the piano was duly set up 
and we turn to leave. Will you think I am too trivial in my details if I tell you that I lingered behind the rest and for an instant let my hand with all its possibilities for calling out a soul from that dead instrument lie a moment on the keys over which her dainty fingers were so soon to traverse. End of chapter 4